Everything the light touches, Stephen, can be yours. You're my son, and the one true king. You must take your place in the circle of life. Hey, Nate. Hey, Stephen. Nate, I'm excited to bring back our Mott's Fam segment. We have some exciting news. So exciting. Exciting news. Some new inductees to the Mott's Fam. Hmm. <laughs> Your excitement oh, did you is want me to, Did you want me to talk? Sorry, I was... <laughs> it sounded like you were adjusting your microphone. Okay, no, no. Here's what... Picture this. Yes. You're sitting in a rocking chair by the fire. I like this already. I'm laying on my stomach like a little kid on the, uh, on the rug with oh, my hands underneath my chin listening. Oh, I see. Papa Stephen, tell me more. Who's, who's new into the Mott's family? I almost tried a British accent, but the, I, I stopped myself because it was not going to be. It was not going to be good. Okay. Anyway, we have three inductees, and we would like to give shout-outs to. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Number one, a Pablo, a last initial F, gave us a wonderful five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and became a Topaz Toucan overnight, just like that. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you, Pablo. Thanks for listening. And now these next two. I do like the topaz toucan. Just want to say, yes, that's like visually, that's a really, a really fun kind of look. Chelsea, get on it. <laughs> we, Chelsea has provided our sapphire sle- sea slug art. It's a tongue twister. I will be seeing her at a chalk festival in Chicago this weekend. By the way, she's coming up from oh. Georgia. Oh, wonderful! Well, maybe you can uh, convince Chelsea. I'll, to I'll get, put a bug in her ear to continue. Topaz toucan. Maybe if she doesn't get to the Topaz Toucan, she can jump straight to the Emerald Elephant because we have two new Emerald Elephant members wow. in the Mott's fam. Wow. Uh, two in one week, Nate. So good. I'm so excited. Yes, I am very excited for this. First, Carolyn H., a high school friend of mine. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon and really enjoying the show. She even posted about it and put it on her Instagram and then became a Patreon supporter. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carolyn. You are in rarefied air. That's right. And finally, a super Patreon supporter. He actually did the level where you get to choose a movie for us to rate. He's now like our executive producer. He like he like jumped <laughs> over us in the org chart somehow. Yeah, right. <laughs> it did feel like that a little bit. And you're mine now. Well, as, as I was preparing for this episode, I was like, man, we have people supporting the show. Like this... I don't know. It feels like a slightly different dynamic now. It's great. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. It's a real uh, IPO kind of feeling we got here. That's we're, right. We're, That's we're right. We're a publicly traded company now. I love it. Anyway, Hector D, who supported us on Patreon and posted us. Oh, the picture that he posted too. Oh my goodness. Nate, you saw this picture, right? Oh, we got to talk. We got to talk about this for a hot second. Thank you, Hector. Thank you so much, Hector. Thank you very much. And Hector asked us to do Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is a movie. And he says he listens to the podcast with his son, and it's one of his son's favorite movies, and he wants us to hear us talk about it. And that warmed my heart. Absolutely. And we are going to do that movie because he is now our boss. That's right. So <laughs> That's right. Yes, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I know Nate doesn't do Netflix, but maybe, maybe he'll get Netflix. Hey, I haven't done a free trial for a while. I got, I got more email addresses to burn. <laughs> Create a new Gmail address. Let's talk about the photo. I saw this tag come through on our Movies on the Side Instagram. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't recognize who it was from, 
and and it started out not even talking about movies or the podcast and i was like is this some mistake mm-hmm. you know did someone tag us accidentally and then it came to fruition that hector has a picture with bryce dallas howard on the beach was there a second just a split second in your mind where you thought bryce dallas howard has sent us a picture and is a fan of the show what did that pass through your mind at all it literally did (laughs) i thought i thought maybe 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 she has listened and she has posted and now these other people are tagging us because she has listened and i and i was like i only halfway read the thing i kind of skimmed it i didn't read the caption word for word and then i looked up and i was like wait a minute you floated through the post right i said that's price dallas howard wait a minute i was like flipping back and forth going up and down i said man this guy has a picture with bryce dallas howard and tagged her too maybe maybe there's still hope one day maybe that was that was great that was great. Yes. I had I had actually known he had, like, because I know Hector, I know that he had met Bryce Dallas Howard, but it never connected in my mind to, to bring my two uh, art worlds and podcast worlds <laughs> together and see how the, the synergy really works here. Well, this, that's why the internet's a beautiful thing, Nate. Right. It brings it all together. together. Right. In a civil, wonderful way. <laughs> oh, wait. Sometimes. <laughs> at, least our, at least our version. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Hector's profile on instagram is artist diaz it will be linked in show notes along with our other mots fam members and inductees but anyway uh the last thing i want to say in the comments of his post he says that uh, bryce dallas howard was a sweetheart that's in it's one of his comments so yes i believe he said she was very down to earth very kind well hector thank you so much for becoming an emerald elephant supporting the show and uh, for listening we are son that's extremely cool awesome oh and just now, we can induct a fourth person into the Mott's family right now. Right now? Right this second. Believe it or not. Do it. Do the coronation <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> like what? you throw out a, a Mott's family Pokeball and out pops. This new Sapphire Sea Slug Mott's family member, her name is Marissa C. Woohoo! And she is on Instagram. Thank you, Marissa, for commenting. And she actually uh, said yes to Poldark. She's a fan of Poldark, apparently. She just listened to our Morning Glory episode. Wonderful. Yes. There is more Poldark discussion coming in the future for those who are fans. <sighs> Nate, I was powering through that show. Let me just say, I might, I might stop. No. I don't know if I could do it. No. I am in turmoil <laughs> over that show. <laughs> it, is, it waffles between... Two percent joy moments, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the rest is just despair. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that forever, man. That's it's sad. But but it makes the joy so much better. I mean, you could talk <sighs> sometimes. Talk to my brother Jacob because I'm pretty sure he hasn't watched the most recent season mm. because he's waiting for a friend to watch it with him because no one wants to just sit alone and watch Poldark. And he's the intensity. I think he's also preparing himself <laughs> mentally for it. <laughs> find a pole dark viewing buddy everyone 
Right. I'm in the middle of season two. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. We'll talk off camera about, uh, and by camera, wait, are you recording yourself? Are you, aren't you? <laughs> I'm using the face app right now. I look like a 90-year-old uh, man talking. You see all the news about how the uh, Russians are getting our photos or something like that? There's a lot of conspiracies out there. I mean, I assume they're using them for all sorts of uh, our data is being mined in many ways. Yes. Hello, Kyle. I actually got rid of my face app app today. I was like, well, I've had my phone. <laughs> I did too. I deleted it. But I guess the the, the damage is already done. Uh, yeah, apparently. They've already captured my essence in a vial somewhere. That's right. Well, hello, comrades. Thanks for listening. If you want to support. <laughs> yes, if you'd like to support the show. On the side, you can go to our Movies on the Side. That's What's right. Patreon.com slash Movies on the Side. Which, by the way, listeners, if you haven't supported us yet, we have bonus episodes pretty much every week. There's a lot of fun content on there. You can hear Nate describe Pickleball to me. And I laugh silently for half of an episode. We talked about getting food at Whole Foods today and talked about right. uh, hand dryer <laughs> etiquette, uh, yes. all sorts of good stuff. How Nate got a piece of food in the Netherlands from a P.O. box. Yep. It was very exciting. Good stuff. Well, our movie for today. I'm excited because this is one where one of us has actually read the book before seeing the movie. And that one is not me. Half the book. A what? Half the book. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get all the way through it. You really read half the book? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> well, we're doing Mortal Engines today. That's the movie we're doing. It really feels like our core competency. This type of movie, this movie is our bread and butter. You mean like the not great movie? The, oh, don't spoil our <laughs> oh, thoughts sorry. on it. Well, I'm not rating it yet. I'm not rating yeah, it Yeah, not great movie. Absolutely. A big mess. It is sort of like a Rube Goldberg machine. Yes. <laughs> on wheels. Well, yeah. The movie is a Rube Goldberg machine that doesn't have a point. It just sort of goes around and stuff moves. And you go, oh, look, look, the, the toast pops out of the toast. Oh, no. Okay. All right. That what? went down the thing. The ball. Oh, right. It's bouncing on. Wait, I don't get it. What? What's this machine doing? Is it Rule Goldberg or Rule Goldberg? How do you say that? Rube, I believe. Rube Goldberg. R-U-B-E. R-U-B-E. Named after the man. Oh, yeah. Rube Goldberg. Rube Goldberg. His first name was Rube. Oh, his first name was Reuben. Oh, really? Reuben Garrett Lucius Goldberg. He's known as Rube to his friends. And apparently us. But I think the machine is called Rube Goldberg. Like, it is a Rube Goldberg machine. Exactly. Anyway, this movie is a Rube Goldberg machine made out of Rube Goldberg machines. Mm Mm-hmm. Made by other Rube Goldberg machines. Right. That's right. The clone of a clone. (laughs) Rolling Rube Goldberg Machines Inception. That's basically this movie. Yep. <laughs> it's Rotten Tomatoes, 27%. Mm-hmm. 27% critic score. It does have a 52% audience satisfaction, but I right. I know who gave it high ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. A sucker is born every day. It was the, <laughs> it was the steampunk crowd. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Yes. A question before we actually talk about the movie. So you read half the book. Sure. Does it, were you doing an audio book or a physical book? No, I was reading it with my eyeballs. Technically, I was reading it to my wife as she went to sleep each night. Ah, uh, yes. So I would yes. read out loud. She would fall asleep, and then I would explain that nothing happened between <laughs> when she fell asleep and when I stopped reading. <laughs> Have you, do you do that with uh, her textbooks sometimes, too? Read the textbooks? It's just mitosis uh, study? <laughs> Thank you. Scalpel. No, I, then I would fall asleep. <laughs> okay so is this a thick book like is this a big book no no this is not a thick book 
Well, oh, really? Technically, it's it was on a Kindle. So, to be honest, I oh. don't know how thick the book is. It's tough to tell because the see. Kindle stays the same thickness no matter which book you're reading. <laughs> All you get is your little progress bar on the bottom, which some like I don't really like that progress bar. <sighs> Not satisfying. I don't like it because oh, you don't like to know. I like the percentage. I like to know how far I am in. Well, what trips you up is because you're on the Kindle. It it says there's so many more pages than there would have been in like the physical book, mm-hmm. so it trips me up. Like it, it just doesn't seem to match up. But anyway, oh, you can't you can't do the math of like yeah, it's it like sixteen hundred twenty five, but like it's really a two hundred page book. Right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. you're reading it with like five words per page. That's <laughs> not that bad. But anyway, I feel like this movie probably would have been a great long book or series of books right like there's a lot of stuff happening in this world and my question to you is did the book have like a better pacing and storytelling of these characters than the movie did yes yes it definitely did i'm glad i started reading the book before watching the movie because i think if i were to just watch the movie i would think i bet this is based on a book and i bet the book has a lot more character development in it than this movie has and it does it definitely does okay that's interesting yeah because as i was watching it i I couldn't help but think there's probably a whole backstory to this character that would make this character way more interesting yes but you don't get any of that you know i didn't really know any of these actors except for agent smith you know agent smith is in this movie i forget his name mr anderson Mr. Anderson. Yeah, I did, I did that pretty good. What is, yeah. <laughs> hey, great Sorry, job. Sorry, that was, that was no, impressive. I, I know. As they say, toot your own horn because no one else will do it. That's the mm. Rube Goldberg's quote. Oh, really? I thought it was Benjamin Franklin. Rube. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving, right. That's right. Hugo Weaving is in this movie. Peter Jackson tie-in. Uh, Peter Jackson directed this, didn't he? Oh, produced, produced, okay. I don't think he directed it. It said from the mind of what, Lord of the Rings, whatever. That's how everyone came to the movie because they're like, oh, Peter Jackson did this. Right, but it, not but not really. This. No, the director is Christian Rivers. Not heard of him. I haven't either. Let's talk about the world first before getting into this yes. movie at all. Very good. This is the world. Not only got me into. I'm excited to see this movie. It's the reason why I uh, bought the book for sure. Because the cities, the giant cities on wheels. The trailer. Now I knew the reviews were terrible. But the trailer showing this dystopian world where cities have to move to hunt other cities is fascinating to me and so cool. That alone brought me to this movie, and I don't. Uh, otherwise, I don't think I it would have just gone by without a without a blip. I agree, and that made the the trailer look really interesting mm-hmm. like after the after seeing the trailer i was like oh wow like and i like movies like this and stories like this that have this massive universe the feeling that i got watching it at moments was it reminded me of that video game final fantasy that i really enjoyed as a kid and teenager mm-hmm. like it was almost like a role-playing game slash movie that's what this felt like right uh, even all to like the flying machine you know in every final fantasy game that i play like when you get your flying machine like you know you're you made it far in the game. <laughs> right. And it felt like that in this movie too. Like you get the flying machine, you're good. And so I like that idea. So I was I was very excited of it. And it had a lot of cool special effects that made those cities look cool. I thought that the design of the city well, I mean, 
I guess in the movie there really there are a couple different designs, but especially London. Yeah. Uh, and it's described more in the book that London is this moving city that has these different tiers. And as you go up, the the city gets nicer. Yeah. Uh, so that like the most wealthy live on tier one, which is like the top, the top floor mm-hmm. of this. And basically, you get all the way down to the gut, which is all like the engine rooms, kind of the working class is down there. The look of it, I did some like special feature uh, looking into the design of it, how it's meant, the whole city is meant to look kind of like uh, those lions that I think maybe are at Buckingham. I can't, right off the top of my head, I don't know. Right. But the whole like city itself has kind of like a lion uh, head made out of the, the tier one and like these paws kind of coming out with these different parts of the city. So it's a real loose form of a seated statue line which i thought was really cool that is really cool and i love the saint paul's cathedral at the very top like that was a nice touch so and i did i was kind of proud of myself when you see it on screen in the movie first like they don't tell you it's london but when i saw the cathedral i turned to whitney i said hey that's saint paul's cathedral and then they confirmed that it's london i was very proud of myself did you did you rope your wife into seeing this movie with you yeah i mean i can't imagine her staying through this whole movie did she no, no. I mean, okay. we we split we, we split it up into two nights, and she fell asleep both times. Okay, you know, so she okay. saw like that feels the right. first. All right, she, all is well saw, with the world. <laughs> she saw the first half of the first half, and then the first half of the second half, and that was about it. All right, but uh, oh, you know, I think I think she stayed awake longer for the the second half because there was the action stuff at the end, and you know, sure, all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure, sure. I thought. There were a lot of cool special effects, mm-hmm. but there was also a lot of bad green screens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> there were moments when the main characters are on screen, and you're like, "Yeah, that doesn't look." Real. There are times where they are walking. I think so. Okay, pulling back a little bit. Yeah, we have Hester Shaw, Tom Natsworthy are kind of the main protagonists, right? Hugo we- Weaving, spoiler alert, becomes is the bad guy. There is basically no spoiler because the trailer, you look at him, you go, okay, he's the bad guy. Yeah, he's making the same face that he does in Agent Smith. <laughs> right, exactly. In the book, it's a little bit more unclear at the beginning. He's a real like jovial hero kind of fellow. Mm-hmm. But in, in the movie, it's like, okay, look, you're the bad guy. Congratulations. Right. But there was a time when Hester and Tom are walking through the tracks right. of like what the city left behind on the earth. Right. And I thought to myself, like, this looks so fake around you. You couldn't just yes. put these guys onto like a dirt right. soundstage. Like none <laughs> of it was real. And I thought like, this is, you don't, all you have to do is make like a muddy mess for them to stand in over CGI'd. Yes. That, that looks really fake. Uh, and before we get too far into it, there was a super deep voiceover to open this movie. Every good, every good movie. <laughs> right away. Got my red flag up. I said, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Yeah. It's a little yep. it's a little too epic for its own good. 60 minutes is all it took for the ancients to bring humanity to the brink of extinction. I, again, I'm sure the book explains this better, but London is driving around and it seems like they're on the mainland of Europe and they're looking for supplies, food, etc. And there's a couple lines that are like, oh, we should have never left England or something like that. Right. Lord Mayor on deck. Lord Mayor. Mr. Valentine, 
What have we got? Small Bavarian mining town, powered by C-20 land engines. Usual store of brick, coal and iron. And 75 tons of salt. Barely enough fuel to last us a week. We've left the safety of Britain, we've crossed the land bridge for what? Feed upon the scraps of Europe. Run it down! Their main goal, or the bad guy's goal, uh, Hugo Weaving's goal, there's some wall blocking off a large right. part of civilization behind the wall. In modern day China. The modern okay, modern day China. And so his goal is to fashion a weapon that can break down this wall. We don't really right. get that part of the story until much later. Uh, but that's that's what he's trying to do. And so he's motivated by this. And then the main protagonist girl, which her name is Hester. Hester, Hester Shaw. Shaw. Right. Hester Shaw who Apparently in the book she's... is hideous. Okay. In the movie, she has a, a scar. <laughs> oh, so in the book, like they outright say she's in like, the book, totally. In the book, her, she is like, her mouth is like in a constant snarl, and like half of her face has been like really. Oh, interesting. Just, you know, deformed. That's very interesting. Not in the movie, though. No. And it, we come to find out spoilers. Hugo Weaving is actually her dad? Yes. He used to work with her mom. Right. He killed her mom because she found archaeologists in, you know, 500 years from now and they found these weapons. Right. Was part of I believe they called it like the 30 minute 30 second war or something where everyone supposedly just probably just nuked each other. Right. <laughs> so the she found this technology, he wanted it, he killed her and like maimed her and she ran away it starts the movie starts with her coming back to try to seek revenge and get hugo weaving the trailer i had the impression that the whole movie was going to be just her trying to get to him to kill him or whatever right and that happened so early i was like well what what's going to be in the rest of this movie (laughs) it was very different than i expected for sure nothing the answer is nothing (laughs) more rube goldberg yeah it, it becomes problematic pretty quickly Kind of weak writing, weak acting. Kind of weak writing. I was trying to be gracious. The script of this movie is horrible. Oh, and yeah, like, okay. Yeah. It re- like, they're walking. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's fine. Should I, was that too mean? No, no. <laughs> That's fine. I think I made a, a mental note while watching this movie because I knew we would do this. Like, it's right up our alley. Yes. The people are don't speak like real people to each other. Like, there is no sense of... Right. Which you need to have real people uh, filling out this dystopian future world in order to for us to connect in any way to them. Yeah. And I true. just couldn't I, couldn't... I couldn't get there. Especially Tom. I think when I read the book, I pictured him being the, the guy from... The Percy Jackson Lightning Thief. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Actor. Mm-hmm. I pictured Logan Lerman or whatever as that kind of character. The the guy who played Tom in this one, I just could never get on board with him being a you know a root for you likable character. Yeah, I didn't either, and it was hard to believe. I mean, obviously, you see them setting up this relationship between Shaw and him, tempestuous at first, and then they grow close through tragedy and whatever. But I didn't really. I mean, this is kind of romance corner, but what did I mean? How did you feel about there? No, I mean, like, never. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Right? No, I would say not applicable, but not because they didn't try. In the book, is it ever better? Yeah, I I think they have more time to kind of build it up. I don't think they're even they're never even at like a really like romantic level in the book. It's a lot of like her basically being like you're weak and soft, and mm-hmm. I don't have time for you. 
and over time she like learns to like care for him and he does for her but in the book it talks about a lot of his love for hugo weaving's daughter Catherine valentine who in the mm. book Catherine valentine the daughter and beavis pod who gets about two <laughs> seconds of screen time in this movie yeah the guy from like the the gut yeah 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 i don't know if you know if you remember he shows up in this movie and then goes away just as quickly it's supposed to be kind of like a little bit of a love triangle slash like he she kind of bonds with him too yeah, there were a lot of peripheral characters that I could, again, you could tell if this was like a three movie series or like a five book series, like, yeah, maybe you could develop sure. all these people. But yeah, and there are multiple books to this. Oh, there are. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Best before 2118. It's an inky. It's over a thousand years old. Doesn't matter. The food of the ancients never goes off. It's indestructible. Hugo Weaving employs this crazy creature. They call it the Lazarus Brigade. Shrike. Shrike. Yes. Yes. And this is apparently human beings who have died. Yes. And become like some kind of Frankenstein character. And we're kind of resurrected. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, exactly. Played by Stephen Lang, who was the mm. crazy uh, commander guy from Avatar. Oh. Like the guy okay. who's in the big exos suit who was gun right. over. It's a resurrected man. Shrike. His name is Shrike. Shrike. It's supposed to be very terrifying. The movie sets him up as like this unstoppable force. Sure. And then we do find out uh, that Shaw was raised by Shrike. Right. She promised him that one day she would die and become one of them. Yeah. For some reason. Yep, that tracks. Yep. And so this, like, half the movie is Shrike chasing her and them trying to escape. Right. Right, right. That felt a little strange. Do you have questions? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a little strange. And and their relationship ends when he he's a very good tracker, I just would like to say. For someone that has no soul. <laughs> right. I think very like, he's designed to be a tracker. Right. He's really doing right. his thing. I found that the CG of him not a little lackluster. I feel like <laughs> maybe the the sets got a lot of the uh the good stuff and Shrike kinda or no, maybe not yeah. the CG. Maybe the the design, the character design, yeah, of him character design, yeah, was I a agree. little a little flat. Well, they made the first time we encounter him is in this like metal box cage uh-huh. in the middle of the ocean, which felt very much like the Star Wars uh, clone station. Uh huh. Exactly. Uh, whatever they call it, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, cloners. <laughs> Cloner. Let's <laughs> get dot. These are Kaminoans. Keep to themselves. Anyway, the first time we see Shrike in this box, I thought he was going to be like some kind of dog-like creature that's scratching at the walls. Yeah, really monstery. Yep. Yeah. And when it came out, mostly dude, like a poor Iron Man. Yeah, he's just a dude with green eyes. And I was like, "Eh, okay, I guess. I don't know. And then his final scene, they're in like the sky uh, city or port, whatever it is, mm-hmm. which... Cloud City. Cloud City, which I thought was cool design. Like, that was a fun thing. Absolutely. And the airship is fun, too. And the, the, yeah. Yes. Parking there. I like the airship. It seemed very treacherous to walk around that Cloud City with very flimsy, like, wooden bridges. Right. Where you could just plummet to your death. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the excitement. Right, right, right. But anyway... With the Anna Fang. What did you think about Anna Fang before I get to the... Anna Fang was the Trinity archetype, I feel like, in this. Yes. Maybe just the look, the look and feel. 
Right, but she was a skilled fighter and assassin who rescued uh, our protagonist at some point. Right. Uh, as far as like all characters in here, she was pretty just one-dimensional. I would give her one and a half, maybe. One and a half dimensions? I think like, <laughs> one and a half dimensions. Yeah, she didn't really have a whole lot of... I mean, she was just kind of a plot device of like, oh, cool assassin. Yeah. She works for the Anti-Traction League, mm. which is the group that is doesn't believe in these cities that they should right. be wandering around, but likes to be... In one place. The name anti-traction feels a little on the nose, like, because they have tracks? Uh, or you need traction in order to drive? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, anyway. I don't know. Her ship was cool. Cool ship. Yeah. Cool ship. But the final scene with Shrike and Shaw, they're on the bridge. The sky thing is, the port is blowing up, and she appeals to his sentiment, and she, he asks if she's happy or something like that. And, uh, like, sacrifices himself or something, or, like, turns himself off. I forget. It was kind of forgettable. <sighs> I watched this movie a couple months ago, and I, I completely <laughs> forgot how. It, yeah. It was he, supposed like, to be an emotional moment. Does he, like, go down into the lava like a Terminator, like a thumbs up? Kind of. he goes down? But he's in the sky, so there's no lava. I think he burns up. I think he just kind of stands there as the place burns and she has to mm. run to the ship or something like that. I don't remember. He lets her go. It's supposed to be a very emotional moment, but it just seemed very strange because like they spent a lot of time with the flashbacks. Because this movie didn't earn it. And <laughs> that too. Yeah, they tried flashbacks and explaining the yep. the story, but it was a little weird. Yeah, I don't know. We get to towards the end and there's the final conflict. Mm-hmm. So our protagonists get to the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this huge air force, I guess, there right. from the resistance or whatever. And I could tell like this is supposed to feel like some Lord of the Rings final battle this is, scene. Yeah, this is Helm's Deep. This is Minas Tirith. Right. Yes, exactly. And first of all, I thought it was funny that the, the main guy protagonist had to change his jacket before he went into battle. Of course. The, so London is there, the city, and the, the weapon is now armed, and it's powering up Medusa, the main weapon that's going to take down the wall. Right. I must say, there was some really cheesy music. It was a super cheesy voiceover. Like the, the computer that talks for the weapon, basically. Like fully charged or whatever it is. Like a super cheesy voice. Oh, I didn't even, didn't even remember it. And, and they put like this weird spooky organ music as the mm-hmm. weapon is, is like charging up. Anyway, it was... St. Petersburg opens up. <laughs> yeah, it, seemed, it just seemed very... Almost like a farce. Like it didn't... It falls into this trope that the ends of movies have to have a giant, huge explosion, big weapon. Like, we want it to be bigger. Right. But these cities and this concept is already so fun. I wish that Medusa was something a little bit more than just a big old laser. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that, like, show me something interesting. Show me, like, I don't know, that it, like burrows under the ground and like disrupts something or it like i don't know confirmed target coordinates coordinates confirmed target is locked and they also spent a lot of time talking about this air force and showing us these ships that Mm -hmm. the, the wall people have and then they all get taken out in the first shot of the thing. And so we don't even get this cool big air battle with like hundreds of right. ships flying Maybe around. Maybe that hit the cutting room floor. Maybe that was going to be like they were going to have it and then they I didn't get to this part of the book. So who who knows what happens <laughs> in the book at this point. I got right. to them getting to the wall. Yeah, and it did feel rushed. 
Like the final battle was, it was plenty of time. Like I, I didn't really need more of that final battle. <laughs> but I felt like if we like it really developed series of movies again, like you could do a Minas Tirith, and that would be like a really cool end scene. But the movie didn't really pay off. Well, the the whole motivation d- doesn't seem clear. Like you want to get past the wall because there are a bunch of resources back there, or because because so many people have tried and failed like there's a graveyard of cities i guess yeah i don't know anyway the uh the good guys win they destroy the weapon what happens to hugo weaving Uh, remind me he dies somehow i think he gets uh oh uh, the uh the what's her name kills him anna fang yeah anna fang anna fang gives her life okay she dies in the medusa room chamber and she takes him down with her and our protagonists uh, get away take anna fang's ship and fly off into the sunset quite literally the end i feel like this movie is ta- it has taken the the life out of us it is just slowly <laughs> as we talk about this it's like we're slowly being deflated yeah it really does yeah it, it really like, like i wanted this movie to be more fun but i think because you can't really connect with the characters because they're so one-dimensional and the script is so bad at times that this fun world that you built it's sort of like oh you have this awesome environment but then you've populated it with like the most uninteresting npcs yep it sort of feels like oh you you didn't fill it out with a fun plot like (laughs) you forgot that part (laughs) you you forgot you just makes it forgettable i mean like at first i really disliked it when i first watched it and now i've sort of forgotten most of it which i guess is my brain's (laughs) way of saying Oh, you're good. You know, I try to take copious notes when it's appropriate during movies. Mm-hmm. And even this movie, I I mean, I took notes, but I couldn't bear to like write down all the different stuff and all the different scenes because it was so like, meh, meh. Yeah. I think it, I think for the most part, more than most movies, I think the wasted potential of this movie makes me sad. Correct. Where some yeah, it's I like, agree. okay, like we say robin hood like okay it's it's a a goofy bad movie but it's kind of fun to watch it's got fun things Mm -hmm. i say robin hood because it's it's up here as part of an ad for imdb while i have mortal (laughs) engines up (laughs) but like yeah this one just kind of has a there's a bit of an emptiness to it a hollowness to this movie that it's like oh this shouldn't be like this i agree if it's going to be bad go all the way be (laughs) go all the way bad cheesy and hokey yeah like yeah, fair have enough. Dwayne Johnson. If you're gonna be bad, have now Dwayne wait Johnson. a minute. No, no, no. And he'll make it good. Uh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Dwayne Johnson is gonna be on this podcast one day. I'm just saying. Ooh. That's probably never Proclaim. gonna happen. But I'm saying <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe just maybe, maybe it'll happen. Let's rate this movie. All right. On a scale of zero to five eye necklaces, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which the eye necklace is the key to shut down Medusa. Turns out it fits nice. It just fits into the what the the case of the book or something. We, yes, like, yes. It's like they never thought to open it up, and inside is a chip, and the chip is the what like shuts it down. Yeah, right, down. like a USB stick again. It was. <laughs> it's, it's always just a yep. USB stick. Yep. Of, of all the technologies and all the things, even civilization, two things will last: Twinkies right. and USB sticks, and the Despicable Me characters. I think, and the minions. Don't they? Aren't there like statues of them? Oh. Like this used to be the gods of America or something? Didn't they say that? Yeah, something like this. It was super weird. Yeah, that's right. The minions were in it. That's right. That's right. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> weird. I'm going to give it. I'm going to break my whole number streak, 
I'm going to give this movie 1.5. If I was going to go with the whole number, I was, I was thinking two, but even two, it, it feels too high. If you did not see this movie, I, I don't think you need to see it. I wouldn't even recommend seeing it. And I'll probably state that in the post that goes up on Instagram for the weekend <laughs> to say, you don't have to watch this movie. Just listen to us talk about it. That's more than enough. That's more than enough time. Absolutely. Yes. So I'm going to say 1.5. I was thinking exactly the same, and I am with you to a T. Nice. 1.5. Wow. That is exactly, that is, that is correct. You have done it correctly. So. <laughs> we are in agreement. I can't even remember the last time that happened. Yeah. One and a half for Mortal Engines. It's a bummer. I wish it <laughs> could be, re- I mean, Give it 20 years. Let's remake this. Let's try again. And do, do a series of movies. You know, don't sure. try to fit it all into one. Do one. And if it works out great, then you, know, then you do more. That's all you got to do. Well, listeners, you don't get a top five this week. But that's okay because we have bonus content on Patreon that you can go listen to right after this. <laughs> Thanks for pardoning us. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Father, for pardoning us. Carry on. Follow us on stuff at Movies on the Side. Talk to us there. And a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. I mean, maybe it's an anamorph situation where they just kind of telekinesis uh, what they're saying to each other. Now, anamorph Lion King. Now you have <laughs> you have me. Now reel me in. Reel me in. <laughs> Listen, you've convinced me.